A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Been very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you with me. I'm asking you to brush your hair. That's what God commanded Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 109. I'm your host, Norm The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So, uh, The Master's Dog is a podcast, generally, where I deal with false teachers, false doctrine, false gospels. Started out responding to the faith and belief segment of the Saints Unscripted podcast, um, where they were talking, they started out talking about the LDS Articles of Faith, I said I was going to respond to all of those videos to show how those articles of faith faith did not line up with biblical Christianity. And then they continued on, and I said I'll continue to respond to their videos. Um, since then, I expanded it to deal with all kinds of false teachers, not just the Mormons. And uh, it has sparked a, a, a spinoff podcast on Saturdays, a false teacher of the week, and so on. But today I want to do something a little different. And you guys have heard me admit multiple times that there was a time in my life when I was a false teacher. There was a time in my ministry life, uh, having claimed to be a Christian, that I would have belonged on that False Teacher of the Week podcast. There were me- I could go back and find tons of my sermons that I preached over a four-year span as the senior pastor of the Vineyard Church in Pueblo, Colorado. And even beyond that, I mean, I preached there off and on as a associate pastor, youth pastor, so on from 2003 till 2000, um, was it 2000? Well, from before 2003, from like 19, 2000, actually the year 2000 to 2007. So seven years as a member of the ministry there, as a pastor in some fashion at that uh, church and preached. And I could, I could go back and find tons of sermons that I could respond to on this segment. Admittedly, being having been at one time a false teacher, praise God, I was introduced to Reformed theology, guys like Ray Comfort, Todd Friel, Jeff Durbin, James White, Doug Wilson, uh, Johnny Mack. Uh, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on and on of men who spoke into and really kind of steered my uh my theology into uh what i would no longer consider false teaching so but 11 years ago today i was given an opportunity actually it was about 12 years ago in august that the the video the taping was done it took another literally almost a full year before they they broadcast this but i was given an opportunity to share my testimony with the 700 club and they did a, a feature on me and 
partially because they were part of my conversion story. Uh, when I got saved, when God first drew me to a place of repentance and faith, I prayed with the prayer prayer counselor on uh, the 700 club on the telephone. So um, it, it broadcast 11 years ago today. Um, actually, I think the date on the YouTube video is 11 years ago yesterday. So they posted it on YouTube at the, the same time that it was aired on the, the TV show. I think that it popped up in my, my histories today. I think with leap years and stuff like that in there, it kind of gets goofed up a day or so. But uh, I wanted to, and I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to, because I when I share this, I'm like, there's some editing that they did in there. I, there are other videos out there that you can find that have my testimony on there. I did the ex-Mormon files with uh, Bishop, former Bishop Earl Erskine. Um, I've done the meet the ex-Mormons, I think is what Rob Savolka calls it. Uh, with their, They do a meeting, did an hour-long episode with him. Um, and then there, I think there's one other uh, video out there of me just kind of sharing my testimony of how God saved me and so on. And uh, apologies, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old upstairs that both think they're elephants slamming around on the floor in the room above me. So any of those poundings, uh, that's what that is. So the only one where I didn't feel like I had some kind of control in what was said, because most of the videos are just me talking and there's no editing going on at all. It's just the video is recorded and it's played unedited, everything there, and I'm cool with that. If I'm not willing to, you know, to to put it out there um, without going, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty confident in in what it is that I'm saying, you know. Uh, but this was the one where they just took all the footage and they went back and they made the video and they put it on, and I had no input into the editing or how things kind of got put out. So I've always wanted to do kind of a response video to myself, a little self-examination, if you would, um, and look at this this testimony and kind of smooth out some of the rougher edges. Um, hopefully this will be helpful to, to some of you out here, out there who have wondered about how God saved me, how God got a hold of me, and so on. So um, we're going to go ahead and jump into this. I am going to... Hit it, and we're going to see this is uh, Norm Dunham, The Way to Life, uh, 700 Club on CBN.com. I'll get there in a second. There we go. Truth by definition is absolute. There has to be one truth. Otherwise, it's not truth. It's opinion. Okay, so I love that beginning because that's uh, that is something I say quite often. Uh, actually, just reiterated that in uh, the podcast that I dropped today on uh, the Let Me Tell You podcast, uh, episode 115. So, um, so yeah, th this this was, and I did like the way they did this. I, I need to kind of cut that out and use that as like a meme. I grew up Mormon because that was what was around. Norman Dunham grew up in Utah, but he wasn't satisfied with the teachings of the Latter-day Saints. He was convinced there had to be something more. One okay, that's kind of the big thing that, that is in there. Um, it wasn't that I was not satisfied with the teaching of the Latter-day Saints. I don't know where uh, CBN and the 700 Club stand on, um, on, on Mormonism. I, 
I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know that they've ever had Mormons on their show or if they've really actually called out the, the Mormon church as a heretical uh, pseudo-Christian sect. Uh, but they are. So it wasn't that I was unsatisfied with the teachings of the LDS church, that I was convinced there was something more. I mean, I left the Mormon church because I was convinced that it was wrong. Um, I mean, this kind of moves in and out. So my high school years, I was got involved in Wicca and, and so on. In the beginning of my military career, um, my dog tags said LDS, uh, but I would tell everybody who asked that I was a Wiccan and I was, I was not truly a Wiccan. I was a, um, I was an attention seeking teenager and that was a good way to get it. One night at a club, a witch invited him to her coven and what he saw there astonished him. They met in a cemetery, which was a few blocks away from my apartment. They did seances, spells, conjured demons, culminated with an orgy in the cemetery. Um, and so those, that was the lifestyle there. They actually would call on demons to give them power. He knew he wanted the power he saw, and his involvement in Wicca went from a casual interest to a fiery obsession. But soon after, he saw a side of Wicca he had never experienced before. It was suddenly realizing that there is this other side. Um, it's not all just fun and games and love potions and, and you know, we just do, we're white magic. You know, it's all, all its power comes from one source and that source is Satan. Okay, so I don't, I wouldn't say that it became a fiery obsession. I was always just interested in that experience pushed me completely away from it. I was like, whoa, this is, this, you know, I, I signed up for this so I could grow my fingernails long and, and claim this and, and shock people and make people think I was weird. That's literally why I got into Wicca. I mean, it was stemming out of, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards and stuff like that. But ultimately, it was a, it was a source of shock value and attention-seeking behavior, and that experience, I mean, it wasn't that I got invited to this coven and it became a fiery obsession. I, it literally, that, that experience, that, or, that I, 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 full disclosure, I did not engage in the, or not that, I mean, I was unsaved at the time, and it wouldn't have been any issue if I had, but I was like, this is too weird for me. I got out of there. I mean, it was about the point in time where I'm looking upon a demonic figure inside of a circle where they have encanted and, and, and summoned this demonic figure. That was the point where I was like, I'm pretty much out of here. This is, this is way more than what I signed up for. He started looking in other directions for the truth. And for a while, he thought he might find it in the Quran. Okay. So there's a little bit in the middle here that um, I literally ended up with like this Wiccan that I had engaged with, you know, she like cast like crazy spells, like really weird crap, like turning, like, like essentially filling up, um, like fill Somehow she, she put like a bunch of dead gnats in her room. I mean, this is the stuff that, that went down. And so I was like, way out. And then it wasn't that I went, well, okay, let's go see what the Quran is about. I'd always been interested and I've talked about this and maybe I mentioned this here in a minute, 
but I've always been interested in African-American culture, hip hop, stuff like that. I watched the autobiography of Malcolm X. I watched the movie. I read uh, the book by Alex Haley. Um, and so that was what kind of led me into um, the whole issue of the the Quran was um, was Malcolm X and, and that. So. You know, started to pray five times a day, learned how to do the prayers, learned how to do the the hand washing and the face washing and all the stuff you had to do to be a religious Muslim. I found religion. I found a lot of stuff that they said never changed um, from the beginning of when the Quran was written. Nothing worked. It, it didn't work for me. He started working in a hospital and began dating a nurse, but he still longed to find the truth. Okay, so again, this leaves out a whole lot of stuff. So yes, going at becoming a, a Muslim, I be uh, like I said in the clip, I found religion. I found a lot of works. I found a lot of stuff, but there was there was no real truth there. And so it was it wasn't through dating this nurse that I got out of Islam. I left Islam and um, actually became a nominal Christian through conversations with a nurse that I worked with in Washington state, a male nurse that I did not date. Um, and so Dan Munoz was a Lutheran that had done a lot of studies and, and teachings on Mormonism. And so we would talk at night and we would, we would have discussions and it was through his. And, and again, I wish he would have been more direct with the gospel looking back now, but Obviously, he didn't need to. We were talking about theological issues and through learning and going, okay, this stuff of Mormonism is really wrong. Um, and then also in that, it was like, so is Islam because they, they, they find themselves in the same vein. So I had left Islam and so on and became a nominal Christian by name only. I was by no means was I saved. Um, I was living a very promiscuous life. I was still very much a drunkard. Um, womanizer and so on. I was living with a girl who was not my wife, um, was not faithful to her, um, moved to Utah, uh, ended up breaking up with her. And then I ended up dating this nurse at the University of Utah Hospital after I'd moved here. Every night he talked with a coworker about faith. We would talk about Jesus and he would tell me, and so many times we went through and he would talk about the Trinity. You know, because that was my stumbling block. That was what the, the one thing that was keeping me from becoming a Christian is I did not believe in one triune God. Norman felt lost and confused. And to make matters worse, his girlfriend broke up with him with no hope. So again, they've conflated two like completely separate situations. Dan teaching me, talking to me about Jesus and the Trinity and God kind of letting the light go on and seeing basically a, an analogy that is, again, it's, it's modalism, Patrick. Uh, all analogies fall flat at some point in time. But something that convinced me of the Trinity where I became, I left Islam, I became a nominal Christian. Then it was moving to Utah and dating this nurse. And then, so there's a conflation here. This is why, again, I wish the editing was a little better, but they, they have to make the story and, and, you know, condense it into a five minute thing. So the editing here, they've taken two situations that happened two to three years apart from 95 to 97, I believe, is when I, when I got, uh, yeah, the Easter, 
a little after Easter of 97. So the there's a a gap there. Uh, maybe it was actually June of 98. I think because it, it was the NBA Finals. Um, so it was 97 or 98. I have to go back. And I'd, I'd have to think about that. But so again, there, the two situations are being combined into one. Open sight. He could only think of one solution. I decided I was I was going to commit suicide because, you know, again, here was something that I thought I was convinced I was going to marry this woman. This was another one of my concrete things that had just shattered. So I got into my car. I was going to drive my car through a guardrail on an overpass and drop down to the, the road below and hopefully let an 18-wheeler come by and finish the job. As I come around the corner, I could see the point where I had planned to drive my car through the guardrail. And so I'm aiming my car at this point, and I had a vision of Calvary. And I heard a voice that said, there is no pain you can feel for any reason that is greater than the pain that he felt for you. I pulled my car over to the side of the road, and I bawled. I cried, and I, I cried out to God, and I said, so, yeah. One of the things that, that, again, being reformed, I never claimed that it was God's voice, okay? I don't believe that God spoke to me. I think he spoke to me through an angelic being, um, an angel voice. This is not, I'm not receiving revelation, so don't, I, I have to ver clarify this because, again, this is where you get pushback from some people. I'm not claiming that God spoke. I'm claiming that I absolutely, there was an audible voice from the backseat of my car and no one in the backseat. And that was the statement that was made. There's no pain you can feel for any reason that is greater than the pain for you. And when I say I had a vision of Calvary, it's not like the road disappeared or anything. But in my, in my head, in my thoughts, Calvary came into my, and I mean, it's just a, a visualization of Christ on the cross, the thieves, the Pharisees, all this situation going on, and then this voice speaking to me from behind me. I literally looked over my shoulder to see what was in the backseat of my car because there is a voice there. Now, I will, I will absolutely claim that it was angelic in nature, but not that it was God speaking to me. I wasn't a prophet. I wasn't receiving new revelation. But God had to, in the same way that he got Paul's attention, God got my attention because I was literally planning to end my life at that point in time. And Mar our God, being the sovereign God that he is, intervened in that. And whether it was an angel or what, it, it, again, it would have had to have been an angel. Those are what he uses as his messenger. So I will maintain that it was an angelic being spoke to me from the backseat of my car. Again, something needs to change. I can't, I can't do this pretend stuff anymore. I need something. I need reality. I need concrete foundation. He pulled himself together, drove home, and turned on the TV. As I turned on the TV, there's a, the 700 Club, and usually I would have just flipped past it. But the story was about a woman who had come out of Wicca, who had been a, a witch. And when they said the word Wicca, it caught my attention. And so I watched. This woman had realized the truth and had repented of her sin and put her trust in Jesus Christ and that she was, was saved and that that was the foundation. There was concrete reality for her. Um, and so immediately after this story, Terry Musin comes on and invited those who were watching to pray the sinner's prayer. Norman had finally found the truth 
And that day, he received Christ into his heart. To know that all the... Okay, and that's the other thing that I have to break down is, yes, Terry called people to pray the sinner's prayer. I do not believe that a formulaic prayer saves you. I was truly crying out to God in repentance when I prayed this prayer. I don't think you can formulaically say, pray this prayer, repeat after me, and that saves people. There has to be a true repentance, a true thing. And God had finally gotten enough of my attention to where I was like, this is where I'm at. He changed the way that I thought. Metanoia was occurring. The changing of my mind, the changing of the way that I think was happening and the regeneration of my heart was happening in this moment. This was not just me repeating a prayer and, and using it as a, a, a ticket to heaven. This was God calling me. And, but, and, and what I had done is after that, I called the number and spoke to a prayer counselor who, I mean, whether or not she was as reformed as need be, but there was talk of sovereignty and, and stuff like that that was had. And so more than just a formulaic prayer. So no, I don't believe the sinner prayer, sinner's prayer saves anybody. But I do believe that true repentance and faith can come from a situation like that. The stuff I had gone through, that finally, I'd I'd hit, I'd hit rock bottom, but that foundation was secure, and I knew that there was nothing that was going to shake that foundation. It's been ten years since that day, and Norman is stronger than ever. He's married now and is a pastor. He says he's passionate about telling others that Jesus is the way to life. Muhammad is still in his grave. Joseph Smith is still in a grave. Buddha is still in a grave. Um, Krishna never existed. Um, but Jesus Christ walked the earth, laid down his life, and took it up again. God isn't afraid of being questioned because he has the answers. And so that would be my, my, uh, my advice, is to go to Jesus and ask him, reveal your truth to me. And he will. So there you go. That is, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to just break that down and, and respond and reply and, and kind of smooth out the, the editing issues that I had with that interview. Um, but I'm grateful that God gave me an opportunity to do it. Um, would I do it again today? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I, I listed Pat Robertson as one of my false teachers of the week. Recently, I, I don't agree with anything that man does, so I don't know that I would put my, uh, my endorsement behind the 700 Club today. Um, it's out there. It's there. I did it at one point in time, and I, I think God still can use that testimony and hopefully this explanation of that testimony um, to draw people to himself, to draw people to a place of repentance and faith. And so, again, I would encourage people that... There is truth that we talked about. I just talked about this in my last podcast. We can't have opposing truths and both people be right. You can't have your truth and I have mine and have those be contradictory. You know, we can both be wrong or one of us can be right. We can't both be right. Truth by definition is absolute. And Jesus proclaimed that he was the way, the truth, and the life. But the Bible is the scripture that is sufficient for rebuke and correction and salvation for those who will read it and understand it and let God transform their, their mind by, or transform them by the renewing of their mind through, through metanoia, repentance. That is the Greek word, and it means literally changing the way you think. Stop thinking of yourself as a good person. You're not a good person. 
You know, you've lied, you've stolen, you've cheated, you've lusted, you've blasphemed. We've all done it. None of us is a good person. God, to quote Artaxerdia, God doesn't save good people. He saves bad people. He, he, Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous, but the unrighteous. It's not the well, but the sick who need a physician. He came to bring the good news and recognizing that we are all sick and all in need of that physician. None of us are righteous. No, not one. So many places in scripture that make it very clear that we are not good people, but we are sinners in need of a savior. And that if we will repent, that if we will change the way we think, quit proclaiming our own righteousness, uh, Understand that we need salvation. We need a savior to get to heaven. Turn to Christ. Renounce our sin and and trust in the work that he did and the work that he did alone. Nothing that you have ever done can contribute to your salvation except for the sin that required it. Everything that is done for your salvation is done by Christ. And everything that is in there, repentance, faith, these are all, the Bible proclaims them as gifts from God. They are things that God has given us in order to bring us to that place of salvation. So I would encourage you to, to change the way you think, to stop, wrecking, don't proclaim your own righteousness, don't say I'm a good person, don't compare yourself to the next guy, but trust in Christ, repent, put your faith in him, and if you've done that, then you need to start sharing that with other people. So as always, we need to be preaching the gospel at all times. We need to be using words because they are absolutely necessary. Thanks for watching this. I hope it was helpful. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.